Hi, I'm Sheila Alecci from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. And I'm Amy Wilson-Chapman. Behind ICIJ's Global Collaborations is a network of investigative reporters. Together, we tell the world's most important stories. In honor of World Press Freedom Day, we are trying something new. We want to connect you with the reporters we work with every day. It's the threat that you don't know that always bothers you. These brave journalists defeat the odds to expose corruption and collect facts that are often hidden from the public. My name is Namini Vijaydasa. Namini is an investigative reporter in Sri Lanka. We recently talked about her 25-year career, which started during the country's civil war. I would take risks like, you know, go barging into war zones, um, not inform anybody, go into the middle of protests and, and be like thinking that I'm really brave and everything. But over the years, this message of you're more useful alive than dead sank into me. Namini has reported on numerous cases of corruption and injustice. So we asked about her challenges. What kind of challenges um, you and your other colleagues face there? So for me personally, I have not had uh, death threats, but I have certainly had intimidation in the form of intelligence officers coming and visiting my home and the home of my parents. So that was a very clear message that uh, I was being watched. I mean, there's been a history of threats, intimidation and violence against journalists in this country. Last year, Sri Lanka elected a new president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa. He chose his brother as the country's prime minister, a former president himself. Now we're back in a situation where Mahinda Rajapaksa is back. He's the prime minister. His brother, the former defense secretary, who was quite a feared person at that time, is now the president. What we're hoping for now is that they won't be the same as before. The former Rajapaksa government was accused of human rights abuses and war crimes in the final stages of Sri Lanka's long civil war against the local militant group. The war ended in victory for the military in 2009. One thing that I have tried to do throughout my career is to make sure that I'm completely apolitical. So my policy has been to be watchdog. I go into each regime with an open mind. It's very early in this in this administration, so I'm hoping that there, there will be a change. But judging by the past, there is also a fear that they will be maybe worse than before if they want to consolidate their power and make sure that they don't lose again. More than 10,000 miles away in El Salvador, Jimmy Alvarado and his colleagues from El Faro are fighting against government censorship. We're not going to be quiet. El Faro. El Faro was born more than 20 years ago with the idea of rebuilding a nation crippled by war. Freedom of expression, like it was a, it was a big issue at the time. People with power, they just make a phone call and they shut down publications. I think El Faro changed a lot because political leaders or people with a lot of power they, they don't see it as an option to do a phone call to the director of El Faro to shut down a publication because they know that could have a worse effect on them when we publish. The current president, Nayib Bukele, has tried to get in the way of Jimmy and El Faro, creating new obstacles for the reporters. In this new administration with President Bukele, sometimes they don't let us in in the press conferences or they shut down the microphones uh, so they don't let us ask questions. 
when when they do that, we we raise our voice and we always try to do the questions. With Bukele in power, Press Freedom in El Salvador has slid back 15 spots on the World Press Freedom Index. These administrations, they have to control the speech. They try to control the narrative. And I think that that's the main obstacle right now. Even in Europe, where threats of press freedom aren't so frequent, some journalists live in fear. In, in Malta, we had you know, one of our most famous investigative journalists, Stephanie Caronagilza, she was, she was killed in a car bombing uh, two years ago. Some feel her murder is a sign of threats to freedom of speech. Most assume the car bomb that took her life was connected to the aggressive work she had done calling out corruption in Malta. In November 2017, everything changed for our Maltese member, Jacob Borg. We spoke with him during a recent ICAJ meeting. So since then, you know, the, the atmosphere in Malta has definitely become more kind of tense and more, more hostile because, you know, it's, there was a kind of a movement of sympathy towards journalists and now kind of seems to have swung ground and the government's kind of been very hostile towards both the Carona Galizia family and some journalists who have tried to follow up on her work. And does that, does that make you fearful? Like, does it make you change the way you work as a reporter? Or would you just kind of push um, on? Well, yeah, it, to be honest, in the days after kind of her murder, I was ultra paranoid and was checking under my car every day. And then kind of, you know, I said, you know, I'm either going to curl up in a corner and, you know, if I, I can't do journalism and say, no, I'm not going to kind of go beyond the ceiling. So, you know, in journalism, you have to be all in. I don't think you can just kind of nibble at the edges. You have to kind of go for the killer, killer blow. The ICIJ network is full of dedicated truth tellers like Jacob. People who, in the face of censorship and abuses of power, have even decided to start their own media outlets. During the Panama Papers launch, I was working one of the conventional media, me and my partners. That's Diana Mukaled, who co-founded Diraj in Lebanon. And most of the conventional big media outlets in the Arab world uh, restrained from publishing what Panama Papers have disclosed, unless it's affecting the uh, the other part. Diraj launched in 2017 to offer Arab readers a new type of it's journalism. Important. It's part of our mandate to show our readers, our viewers, uh, what leaders in, of this region, what the businessmen of this region are being involved in and where the money is going. The year they launched, Diana and her colleagues published stories about rulers across the region based on secret information revealed by the Paradise Papers. It's a very critical moment in the Arab world and in the Middle East that there is a huge need for free and uh, progressive media to speak up. Diraj is only three years old, but its journalists have already faced lawsuits and other threats. Our editor-in-chief was uh, arrested for a couple of hours last December. Uh, the way they arrested him, he's a journalist, he was handcuffed with police, came to office and uh, arrested him. It was a scene of authority, it was intimidation, but still, again, uh, despite all these circumstances, I think we still have a, pl a role to play and a place to, uh, to work uh, within Beirut. What brings these reporters together is collaboration. Like us at ICIJ, they believe that working together doesn't just make our stories stronger. It protects our network of journalists while making sure these important stories get told, no matter what threats individuals face. Namini explained this much better than me. I think collaboration is, is 
absolutely wonderful because you feel like you're not alone. You're part of a network. The kind of information you get, the kind of cooperation you get, the sense of family you get, uh, you know, the sharing of, of concerns, the sharing of worries. That's the voice of Ignace Susu, a journalist from Benin who's now in prison. We recovered this tape from our 2018 archives. It was recorded by Will Fitzgibbon, ICIJ reporter and Africa Partnership Coordinator. Here's Will. I met Ignace in Cotonou, Benin in March 2018, when Ignace was still free. I was there as part of ICIJ's West Africa Leaks investigation, and I was working with Ignace on a big story in his country, which involved documents from the Panama Papers that showed one of the country's most powerful businessman was using a secret shell company to receive payments for a big supermarket there. As soon as Ignace published his story, he was immediately called before police. He had um, a defamation complaint made against him. And as a result of that story, Ignace received a suspended sentence. Last December, Ignace was arrested again. He was accused of defaming a Benin public prosecutor after publishing on social media some of the quotes the prosecutor had given during a press conference. What's really strange and outrageous in this case is that we know from recordings that the quotes that Ignace published on Facebook and Twitter are exact replicas verbatim of what the prosecutor said. Ignace was sentenced to 18 months in prison and his appeal was heard in April. The journalist is arrivée... I spoke to the investigative reporter Hervé Yao Kingbewe this morning. What Hervé told me was that things were over very quickly because the lawyers representing the prosecutor in Benin asked the court for a delay. So in short, what it means is we at least have to wait one more week before we know whether or not Ignace will be free. We will keep following Ignace and all our partners as they cover the world's most important stories. Before we go, we want to say thank you for supporting our work and the work of these passionate investigative journalists. Without the support of ICIJ Insiders, people like you, we couldn't do any of it. We'd love to know what you think of this little podcast, so please drop us a note at social at ICIJ.org. We look forward to sharing more stories with you.